Hey everybody, welcome to Rumor Flies. I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. I'm Greg. Today we have something very special for you guys that Ryan's going to tell you about because I don't know anything about it. Even though you were a part of this. Well, anyway, I, I still don't know what it's about. Yeah, okay. So for our last supplemental episode of the In Between Season series, we're going to be interviewing Dan Lenning of New Harvest. His company is one that specializes in cellular agriculture. Nailed it. Which is essentially... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I have a problem saying cellular. So anyway... Uh, it is the company that specializes in making what most people would know as lab-grown meat. Uh, it's an extremely interesting interview, and when I saw a little article about it and I was able to get in touch with them, I immediately wanted to jump on it because we know that this is one of those things that are eventually going to catch a lot of flack in the future. There's probably going to be some misinformation on it or some misunderstandings at the very least. So we kind of wanted to like nip this in the butt first and talk to Dan about this, and it is an extremely fascinating interview to me and I think to everybody else as well even though Josh still doesn't understand it yeah I, there's a lot of big words that I use that I had to like uh, use a th thesaurus for but uh, in all seriousness though it, it was really fun it was really interesting uh, be a little bit warned there is a little bit of a robot aspect to Dan uh, at parts in the interview but we promise he's a real person he did record all the way from the Netherlands correct yes so uh, you know it was through like a regular Skype call that we did so the audio isn't quite up to par like we normally like it but it was the best that we could do at the time so uh we do apologize for that so please bear with us when you do listen to it yes so anyway enjoy yeah bah. all right uh dan Lowning, thank you for being here today this is uh you represent new harvest foods yes thank you for having me glad to be on the show all right so new harvest is a nonprofit organization that uh, specializes in cellular ag agriculture correct uh, both yes that is, that is correct mainly in meats right well, we now we're more focused on meat since the other two fields, which is the culture of milk and eggs, are taking off at the moment. Okay. So at the moment, we are quite focused on the meat part, yes. Okay. Oh, also, Dan is the uh, research strategist. I think that's the title you currently are holding for New Harvest on the website. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, uh, these other companies that you're taking care of, I, can, I know that you have more of a uh, background in meats, uh, but for milk and eggs, do you have... Uh, any close connection with the other two companies that are involved with this? I believe the milk is Perfect Day and eggs is Clara. That's correct. And we, we actually do have a very close connection because Isha Datar, our CEO, she actually funded both of the companies when New Harvest First was just a very small organization uh, with very few resources. And at that moment, we weren't very able to do the open source research that we're pursuing right now. So she... Um, got money from VC companies to start off these companies. Um, and there were, the, the technological hurdle was much less, so that's what, why it was much easier to do this. But she always tells me that if you had the money right now, she would have done it differently. She would have done a more open source model, so there would be like 10 Clara foods or 10 perfect days instead of just one. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So uh, before we get into any specifics, I just want to ask you, what is New Harvest Foods and what is their mission statement specifically? Uh, well, New Harvest so is a non-profit organization, and we are accelerating a new field in science called cellular agriculture. And we do this by um, giving out grants or helping people to get involved in this new field, trying to get uh, more people or more scientists working on this so we can be a more established field of science to replace animal products uh, with technology that is now still being applied for pharmaceutical or medical purposes, but can be repurposed for food applications. Okay, awesome. So in general, uh, there's a few other 
uh, smaller companies that we've seen around that have been trying to create kind of the same deal, but you guys specifically on the research side of things, not for marketing this type of meat. It's specifically just to further the actual advancements in this field. Yes, that's correct. Well, there the, are, the, of course, two different things because the, the cultured milk and egg is already established companies. But for the meat, we think the technological hurdle to actually all the problems that are currently lying in the field are too big to do by one company themselves. So I try to spread the, the tasks on this and try to, so we can get such many different angles and many different people participating. Okay. And Don, your background is mainly in cellular agriculture and the vascularization of meat. Is that correct? Well, I've, I have a, a background in a wide variety of molecular biology, but mostly molecular biology and cell biology. That is what my background is in. But I have some experience in doing the cultured meat and doing tissue engineering. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Uh, all right. So I guess we can get into a little bit of the meats now that we have our uh, actual primer behind New Harvest and yourself. Uh, so, Josh, do you want to start off with some of the questions about cell-cultured meat? Yeah, I think that's actually, uh, that makes for a, a nice segue into this. So, uh, just so people understand, what exactly is a cultured meat? Uh, well, cultured meat is the creation of meat, which is muscle tissue. So, all the meats, almost all the meats that we eat are made from muscle tissue from different types of animals. And we wanted to produce these muscle tissues instead of instead of using the entire animal we want to use the fundamental building blocks of these tissues which are the cells the muscle cells mm -hmm. we extract these cells from the animals and we grow them what we call ex vivo so from uh, beyond the animal so we grow them in a lab condition while well, at the moment it's a lab condition but of course we hope in the future this will be in, uh, a more factory uh, condition yeah. but Due to the nature of the technology, this is being done in labs at the moment. And then we try to expand these cells and to grow and multiply them so many times over that they become a large piece of tissue which we can then eat without actually harming or killing the animal. Well, one of the things that I, I really liked that when we talked before, um, before we decided to do this, one of the things that I really liked that you said was that you're, you guys aren't looking to replace the meat industry. You guys are looking to, to you know, maybe in conjunction with them and help, um, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly correct because saying that this technology will replace factory farming, I think is a bit arrogant and over simplifying the entire problem because we're with, we're with so many people at the moment that just doing this won't solve the entire issue. So we probably will need insects as well or need less meat or eat meat replacements. And it will even do this so we can mitigate everything instead of doing the one silver bullet. It's really too, too much of a problem with one technology. What are, so as you talked a bit about creating these, what are some of the current processes being used to create cultured meats? And are there any noticeable differences between New Harvest approach and other companies' techniques? Well, first of all, uh, what the companies are doing, I, I can tell because it's a company and companies tend not to share their R&D with us. Yeah. So I, I actually really don't know what you're doing. So that's a weird thing, right? We may be doing some redundancy, like a lot of redundancy, but we wouldn't know because they won't tell us what they're doing. Um, so, but the first approach was actually, so what, uh, when I worked in Maastricht at Dr. Mark Post, the professor who made the first cultured hamburger, I worked in his lab and it was, a rather conventional normal sitting in on culture flask and then harvesting the cells to create small pieces of tissue and then they are stacked together to make this hamburger 
But that technology was more of a proof of concept to show the world that this is actually a viable technology that it could be done with some improvements, of course. And after that, I left for New York to work at New Harvard. So I have no idea what the current status of their research is at the moment. I, well, my project was mostly doing microcarriers. So microcarriers are these small plastic balls which you can attach cells to. And all these, uh, these balls can be rotated in a, a bioreactor. Uh, which would reduce the volume that was needed to grow these cells in. Oh. It was actually pretty neat, but uh, there were some problems with it that still need to be optimized. I only got so far, but it sounds pretty promising. Uh, the uh, method I'm currently, we are currently developing with New Harvest is a, it's still very nascent, it's still in, in the beginnings. Uh, there's only a couple of people in the world working on it. It's like, there's, I think, five researchers in the world working on this. Wow. Oh, wow. And one of them is uh, Marie Gibbons. She's a student at North Carolina State University. And she's a student of Dr. Paul Mosdiak. And this uh, professor is a specialist in culturing turkey cells and avian cell lines. So what we're planning to do is make a cell line that uh, a cell line is a specific type of cell that can grow almost indefinite and get these cells to grow in a suspension. So normal cells would have need for a surface to grow on without them dying. And we want these cells to detach from that surface to grow in suspension. So we can actually grow them more like a yeast cell instead of a mammalian cell. Okay. So Which um, is pretty, it's pretty hard. Yeah. I have a quick little follow-up question about that. So you're saying some of the companies are, you know, reticent, you know, understandably so to share what they're doing and some of their techniques. Um, how much do y'all do on your end to share with other companies and other guys researching this as well? It sounds like there's some dialogue between researchers. Yes, of course. Yeah, I, I made a small online forum for the researchers in the New Harvest community to exchange some uh, ideas and some papers that are maybe in, might be interesting. So we're trying to collaborate as much as possible. Also, one of the um, the contracts, what's in the contract when you sign up, if you are a New Harvest fellow. You need to collaborate with other New Harvest fellows when you find something interesting for them to share. So, for example, if the avian cell lines would eventually be established, they have to be shared among uh, New Harvest fellows to help them collaborate to gain more knowledge about it. So we try to collaborate as much as possible because we truly believe that only by really collaborating and, and each step of the process that we can make this a reality because else it would be just too hard for one group to do it by themselves. Given my current understanding of the process, we are likely to see cultured meat burgers before steaks, uh, like actual ground burgers, since there's been an issue with, I guess, making one solid slice of meat. Is that correct at this moment? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Uh, what is there an effort to create the unground steaks, and does that include like a matching protein-to-fat ratio to, with traditional beef that you can tailor or alter, or what has been the biggest leap to actually connecting that tissue as opposed to making the patty? Well, there actually haven't been any leap at all. We're still, so if, if you look at the process, there is a multi-stage process where you first need to grow a certain amount of cells that are required to make an entire piece of tissue, right? So you first you need to grow the cells. Mm -hmm. Then you need to find a way to feed those cells a nutrient broth that is sustainable. So it's not, that does not come from animals and it does not do monoculture. So you, then you need to feed the cells. So this is also one of our biggest research things. Then the third part is actually putting these cells in a suitable environment where they can form tissue. And then afterwards, then you make the large pieces of 3D cultured tissue. But we're still at phase one. We're still trying to figure out how we can grow the cells in 
enough quantities that we can make the tissue. So we're, we're not even close of making a steak because all those steps will need to be overcome before we can actually focus on how to make large pieces of 3D tissue. Okay, so you don't want to jump too far ahead, right? Right, that's it, yeah. And it will, it will be, it will, wouldn't be useful to actually now start making large pieces of tissue because we wouldn't have enough cells to supply that um, construct with enough cells to create the tissues. Yeah, what kind of constituents would you need to use for this type of production? Like, what are, you know, for feeding a cow, you need the grains, you need the water, you need the, uh, you know, all the different things you would need in order to raise a cow. For the cell-cultured meat, what uh, type of things would you need in order to grow this meat? Uh, I don't want to get too far into the process, but, you know, just in terms of resources in order to get from point A to point B to make this cell-cultured meat, um, is it much different? Is it cheaper? At the mo Like, would it be cheaper, ideally, than raising a full cow? Yeah, well, that, that's, of course, is the ideology, right? That we can do this without the resources that are needed. But uh, at the moment, we are still using uh, most, some form of the growth, most, uh, mostly animal-based products. But the most fundamental pieces will be carbohydrates, nucleotides, uh, fatty acids, all the basic building blocks of cells, which actually your body breaks down for you and then absorbs into your blood. It's the same thing, only we conduct the entire digestion system. And just supply the nutrients that are uh, that are that the cells are using directly. Okay. So one hypothetical advantage to cellular agriculture is the concept of designer meat. Uh, will we see a meat product with a controlled fat to protein ratio, or maybe like a trans fat to saturated fat ratio that is actually a healthier alternative to traditional meat? Well, you, you can only measure those things by feeding the cells these. Uh, all these better nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually we have a product which you can compare. But since we don't have any products so far, we can't compare anything. So if you can put two burgers next to one another and you say, well, this is a cultured burger and we put in these uh, nutrients into the broth so that cells took up this type of nutrients, and this is a normal one, then you can compare. But before that, it's very hard to say if this will eventually be yeah. reality. So it's... Yeah, it's, everybody is, is talking about this is better, this is uh, healthier, this is cleaner, but nobody actually knows if this is going to, be, uh, going to happen at the end. So it's all speculation at the moment. All right. Uh, one last question before we move on to the other products. Uh, I saw You said that there was a lab working on uh, cell culture turkey meat, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, so aside from uh, turkey, has there been any attempts for cell culture chicken or even fish? Because I know we have an overfishing uh, issue uh, across the world. So I, I was just wondering, if are there other avian or pescatarian type of uh, ventures being held with uh, cell cultured meat? Well, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but New Harvest is opening a lab in Europe, which I'll be running. So that's why I'm here back in the Netherlands. Oh. And one of my main focuses will be establish, establishing cell lines from all species that we eat. So all including lobster, salmon, tuna, cow, chicken, pork, uh, to start off with, and then of course we can always diverge from there. But I think those are the, uh, the animals I will start off with. So we will create cell lines for these animals, so people can just order them like they would order human um, stem cells, like from a catalog. For example, if you're a researcher and you're doing research on liver cancer, you can just order a cell line to test your compounds or do some research on them just from a catalog. And we want to lower the barrier of people participating in this field by supplying the similar tools for them to research this. So yes, definitely uh, tuna, salmon are on the menu for us to look into. <laughs> Great. 
All right, so I guess moving on to the next product, yeah. milk. Uh, so as far as, uh, you know, you guys dealing with, with cultured milk, what, what exactly is the, the fermentation process for creating, you know, cultured milk? Well, it, it's exactly the same as culturing beer. You supply a source of, um, of carbon, sugars, carbohydrates, and you modify the yeast that it has the... Um, casein gene inserted in its genome and also the promoters for it to actually uh, make this protein. So you uh, into the genome of a yeast cell, which contains, which has a casein gene in it, and then you give the, you give the uh, yeast sugars to eat, and then you'll push the yeast into actually, instead of producing uh, ethanol, they will produce milk or casein in this case. Is this type of, uh, I'm guessing this is a cellular recombination, right? Uh, well, uh, DNA recombinants for the yeast. Yes? Exactly. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Is this a newer uh, type of, tech, oh, I guess, uh, biotechnology, or has this uh, casein-producing yeast been around for a while? Well, the technology isn't very new, but uh, doing casein in yeast is very new. That hasn't been done before. So we use yeast for a wide variety of different things. But never it has been really done for doing milk, so that's why it's so unique in this case. Okay. Um, for, for, for those of us in the peanut gallery, what the hell is DNA recombinance? <laughs> it's essentially... Um, <laughs> a DNA recombinant is essentially a genetically modified organism that has uh, had a part of its gene spliced in that can help it to create either you know insulin or, in his case, casein, or it can be used for E. coli, uh, fungus. Well, maybe can I, I can get into that because I'm explaining it a bit more more easily. Because sure. so if you imagine if you imagine a cow produces milk, right? So it has to have the blueprints for creating milk inside of its genome. Right. So what you do is you take out the blueprint from the cow and just the casein, just the milk blueprint. And what you can do, you can transport the blueprint into yeast cells and tell the yeast cells, well, I want you to make this blueprint instead of your own blueprints. And then it will start producing those milk proteins which you can harvest. So it's just giving the DNA different marching orders, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah well, you're, you're, sw you're swapping DNA from different species. Yeah. Okay, cool. So can this, um, this cultured milk be used in the same manner as like how we use cow's milk already can be used with yogurt, cheese, we use in cooking. Like, are there any limitations on its uses beyond just drinking it straight? No, actually, no, because you're using the exact same protein that it is in milk. So that is the the good thing, right? The, the uh, properties of what you get from doing it this way are supposed to be ex exactly the same as you would get it from a cow, because you're using the same type of proteins, and those proteins will behave the same way. And a microorganism like uh, lactose bacillus, like which make yogurt, they will use the same types of proteins and stuff that's inside of milk. So it shouldn't uh, behave any differently from conventional milk. Okay, so what, what you're basically saying is that um, you're going to get the same end result. You just have a different path you're taking to get there, correct? That's, that, yeah, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> is there any lactose production mm -hmm. in this milk or is it lactose free? Well, it should be lactose-free because you're not taking the lactose blueprint from the cow to put it inside of the yeast. So you're, the yeasts are lacking it. They only have the casein. So milk is basically made out of five different proteins, which mostly are like 80% are caseins or casein varieties. And if you just create those and no lactose in there, it's, the milk won't contain any lactose. So that's what you would consider to be the essence of milk. What makes it is those casein, well, those five proteins and then the fats involved. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm lactose intolerant, so I'm totally okay with there being none in there. So, <laughs> yeah, so the, the Dutch folk don't really mind because I think our population is 99% lactose tolerant. It's, it's amazing. Northern, oh, wow. uh, like the Scandinavian peoples are also very lactose tolerant because we have just so little sun up here. Yeah, that's so, but, that's, but, yeah. That's fascinating to me. To the rest of the world, it's uh, I we get it that you are more inclined to get some lactose-free uh, milk. We get it. <laughs> well, I think uh, I, this makes for a, a nice segue into into talking about eggs, and I, I'm assuming that as far as the process for for the cultured milk versus the cultured eggs, I'm assuming that it, that's also very similar as well uh, as it was with the milk and the meat. Correct? It's exactly the same, actually, but thing with eggs is that eggs is multi-component, so you have egg white and yellow, so we are, they're just producing the egg whites. And so in this case, the product, so the egg white product will mostly be reduced for an additive to make, uh, for, for example, merengues or other stuff which you usually use egg whites in, because it's, it's very, very difficult to create the egg yolk, which I understand from it. Yeah, I can imagine. That's, yeah. that's, that's the essence of chicken right there. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, protein is pretty much the feeding. Uh, it, it, how far along is this? It seems like it would be. I, I this is just from like a dumb standpoint, thinking that just making the uh, egg whites would be the easiest uh, hurdle to overcome. How close to production are these type of egg whites, and would they be used for cooking? Yeah, they, they won't be used for making like a, a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. You know? So, because you, you don't have the egg yolk, they won't probably taste it nice. To just oh, some people just enjoy the egg white, of course. But I've actually no idea what at the moment what their current production uh, process is and how far along are they. I haven't. Well, since Perfect Day has been launching their product, I've been more involved in how far they are. But with Clara Foods, I I haven't heard from them in a while, so I will need to check up on this. I wouldn't be able to <laughs> just letting them do their thing for right a lot. No. Yeah, I'm I'm also quite busy since I'm not in the states anymore, and focusing on starting up the lab here. It's been quite busy for me as well. Okay. Um... All right. Well, I guess since we're at that point, we can go over to just some general industry questions. And these are, I guess, some of the ones that are a little bit more interesting on, uh, on my end of it and Greg's end, obviously. With, uh... Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so when we, um, when we kind of started, when Ryan approached you and kicked off this idea, a lot of our initial stuff was a lot of thinking about, like, how's the market going to react? How are people going to react? This is all these fascinating questions I'm sure you're gripping with constantly as you work on this. You're like, how are people going to receive it? And um, whenever cows and even just plant life everything growing in general and farming comes up the environment comes up <laughs> it's just it's a constant battle with that and um so what would what would be the ecological impact i know you said earlier there's a few questions and speculation going on but as far as you know what's the ecological impact of these cultural products and especially when you scale up and start hitting a mass market what do you what do you anticipate um that, that's an awful question because then you're already <laughs> taking on yeah you're already taking on premises is that i don't know how to work because all the speculation has been done in best case scenarios if this thing would work out and if the cells work like this so who knows i don't know maybe they all will would, would be amazing maybe um people enjoy it so much because we can enhance the product so well that people enjoy it more than conventional meat so the need for normal meat will disappear maybe people will just use it as a cheap, uh, cheap substitute I wouldn't be able to answer that honestly, but if you want me to speculate on that, yeah, I'll be more than happy to. But as a scientist, I, I try to stay away from that. 
<laughs> so I, I actually don't see, until we have a product coming out of a factory which actually competes with conventional meat nobody can tell okay well i guess <laughs> i'm throwing another hypothetical on, at you over here uh I guess marketing is not the section that you're too worried about right now, considering there's nothing to market at the moment. But really, uh, what do you think would convince the common consumer to make the switch or even consider these type of meats? Because like you said, this is more of a supplement type of thing. Uh, would there be even something where they would even know that it's there? Just as, you know, you don't know if you have, you know, mechanically separated meat or anything like that most of the time when you go to like McDonald's or something like that. In this situation, what do you think would be the big push that would convince people that this is something that we might need to supplement or to offset a little bit of the uh, waste issue that we're having or just, you know, the environmental impact? Right, right. right. Well, at the moment, we're just so spoiled with the options that we're having. So, for example, if there would be another great animal pandemic, which, uh, which are more each year, which we put more animals in these small cages. And once there's a giant um, xenotransmittable pandemic going on in, <laughs> in um, cattle, cattle herding, we won't have a choice. It's now because we can say, well, we have this wide variety, we have cheap meat, and we can also have bio, uh, what is it, organic meat, and all the other stuff that we can still say, well, we don't want this, or maybe we're scared of this. But maybe there will come a point that people say, well, if you if you don't gonna if you're not gonna research this possibility, people will starve. And I believe that eventually people will come to a point of realization that this is a necessary thing that we need to investigate before it's too late. And of, uh, that's just one of a very grim one, but my personal favorite is because I'm a, I'm a space nerd, a huge space nerd. For example, if you want to go to another planet, you're not going to strap a cow on a rocket and shoot it into outer space. That would be nuts. <laughs> so you can, yeah, right. Well, that might be very cool to look at, but not very, uh, not very convenient. So you, 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 all, you, you might want to send a small batch of cells that can grow indefinitely and maybe grow in combination with algae that are cultivated with carbon dioxide and uh, the sun. You can shoot that in outer space and grow your own meat on a different planet that easily. But that's, of course, very futuristic. But that might be an enthusiastic uh, point of view for people to pursue. Yeah, I mean, so that, it, yeah. that's a pretty cool uh, thought for the, the very imaginative thinkers to like just latch on to that. I like that one a whole lot because I've had astronaut ice cream and we need to very much improve on our space food. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Space burgers or something like that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Cosburgers. Burgers. That just sounds Cosburgers. great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Josh, you got another one? And, and also, yeah, so there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of incentive for people actually. And of course, the biggest one is uh, animal welfare and of course, environmental. Those are the things that we are pressing as an organization. Uh, that to be say, well, people, we need to look into this because the way we are um, treating our animals is awful and the way that animals, what the influence of animals is on the current environment is just the worst. So eventually, now we're car things, right? So everybody's going to drive electric cars because that's hip and that's the thing. And we also try to get inside of that space to see, well, this is so env more environmentally friendly than doing the conventional thing. So you might want to think about this. 
Well, one of the things that I really like about, you know, as far as you guys at New Harvest is that instead of, you know, uh, saying like there's all these terrible things that are going on with these animals, you know, don't don't eat meat, don't eat chicken. You guys are saying, no, we, we need to have these things, but we're trying to provide a better alternative that's much more friendly. It's much more safe. You know, uh, we can have a lot more predictability as far as the product that we're working towards of what it, of what it can provide for you. And it can be, you know, a much healthier uh, alternative uh, to a lot of the uh you know abuse that these animals take yeah that, that's well that's what we believe of course right yeah, that's what yeah. we believe research should be focused on so uh, we're trying our best to make sure that happens so we devise the research and we devise our progress based on those premises but yeah that's the thing so that's really what we believe in I, i'm a meat eater myself so i can't really say that i'm in it for or the animal welfare prospect of it because still eat meat yeah. but i still do yeah but i still do care like oh, if i had an option to eat meat that has um comes from a thing that doesn't cause animals harm then of course i would eat it why why wouldn't i i'm not a horrible person you know why wouldn't if i have a, a same it tastes the same and it's it costs the same of course if that's the case why wouldn't i choose for the product that doesn't cause any harm that would be weird right if you're still like no i, I really fundamentally don't care what happens to animals I like it when my cow screams first. That makes the meat that much <laughs> yeah, tastier. Right. That, that's weird, right? I don't. I, don't, I think there are very few people who truly are so freaked out by this thing that they say, "Well, I would prefer the suffering meat over the other meat." I've talked to people that that work in a lab that say that exact type of thing. They're well, not in that phrasing, but they just say, "Oh, that sounds <laughs> gross." Just you know, lab meat or anything like that. And I've seen you know pushes for like clean meat as a new term for it. I don't know who coined that, but I saw that in an article recently. But uh, I, I guess with some of the other questions uh, to kind of round this out is like uh, two particular things. Are you worried about anything like patent trolling? Like, for instance, uh, once a process would be used for this, are you scared of another company that may have interests in, you know, making sure that this isn't as um, uh, forward like the state of Wisconsin? They rely heavily on, you know, cows for almost a ton of different things, milk and beef. Are you worried about this kind of being a, getting into a legal bind where these things are going to be regulated so heavily to the point that they can't even be used viably? Like, for instance, uh, I saw an article on uh, cell culture meat of whether the USDA or the FDA would be regulating them. What type of hurdles are you looking for that would possibly hinder this type of research or um, progress? Well, hinder the research, I don't see anything going on in that because we're not using, like, which the taboo is nowadays using embryonic human cells to alter them genetically. So we're using animals, which have been, we have been doing for a very, very long time. So on, on the side of the research, there's not much problems. But to commercialization, yeah, I think that would be a just, but it's, it's, it makes sense, right? If such a new type of food comes to the market, you want to investigate this, you want to regulate this. So of course there will be some hurdles and some testing and will be it will take some time for this thing comes to market but it's only natural to do that because it would be weird if we rush this thing so i think it's decent to start to think that we should do a rigorous testing before we can actually say this thing is clean or whatever they call it <laughs> or right. safe at least safe oh yeah well what do you see anything of like i see it being less disease or so any reason why it wouldn't be safe no, that's the thing. I don't see any reason because I know the process in and out, at least with the ones that we're trying to uh, trying to do. And there is no much, not so much danger in there. It's actually, it should be safer and it should be 
easier to do than actually growing an animal because an animal you can't monitor an animal throughout its life all day but we can monitor ourselves we have been doing that for the pharmaceutical industry so we can use technologies that are available in that field to really go down to the very smallest level of regulation of these cells and do Q, uh, QC on those cells, a quality control on these cells and on these tissues before we can put them inside the market. And with animals, that really doesn't happen at all. Well, at least a bit, but not as vigorous as you could do with a uh, cultured meat suspension or cultured meat products. We, we, can, we can put standards on these products that are as high as pharmaceuticals. Those things are already in place. So there are already diagnostics in place to do these types of uh, quality control for this type of product. Okay, awesome. If someone wants to basically get involved in this industry and want to get involved in creating foods, um, what would they, what fields they need to study? There are, there are many different fields that we would need in the future, but at the moment, I think the most useful would be uh, cell molecular biology to cells work and how we can modify cells in such a way that they will grow to the masses that we want them to grow, and also how we can control their growth and uh, differentiation. So that's, that's basically what we're working on right now, but this is just one small part of the entire process. We will need chemical engineers, we would need um, uh, scale engineers, we will need so many different people, so engineering will be massive, um, I, can, I can't even imagine how much new jobs or new types of education will be needed for making this a reality. But a basic understanding of biology and cell biology is definitely a, a good thing to have if you want to get into this field, because most of it is based in the molecular sciences. So that's why we're in such a trouble with getting funding for this field, right? We're, we're in between two fields. We're actually a food science, but we're using technologies that are based in the molecular sciences. So the people that are doing food science are, or at least the laboratories that are doing food science are usually not very equipped to do mammalian cell culture. So we need to find a way to educate these people or figure out how to find a way to get these people knowledgeable enough to do this type of research. Okay. Uh, do you see any future programs being uh, created in this that are more specific towards culture tissues as opposed to just cellular biology, like actual practical application programs? Oh, yeah, we're already trying to develop cellular agriculture. I think we are talking to the MIT to do an online course, but it's still being in, it's still very nascent. We're still starting up with that. But really get into the, uh, like, like you say, the things that people need to know to get into this field. Right. Uh, it will take some while, uh, take a time, but I think uh, a course in this will actually be very beneficial because we need to have more experts in this. And a way to create more experts is to provide education, provide new uh, opportunities for them to get a career in this. So that, that gives rise to experts. Okay, awesome. Dan, I think that's about all we have for right now, but I, thank you very much. I would like to ask one question if that's possible. Okay. It's one of those Greg's things. got another well, question. Never kicked, mind. Yeah, well, we kind of kicked it around yesterday, and, and we kind of touched a little bit, but... um. One of my need, just the moment we started talking about this, one of my knee-jerk questions was, right now, you know, th these things rise and fall, but you have always these questions of, is this non-GMO? Is this organic? Is this natural? All these buzz terms, some of which aren't even technical, but it becomes an entire marketing angle, right? And so when, right. you, when you look at a food like this, you know, and, and the first question, people, I, I imagine the first Christian go, it isn't natural, right? They're going to say that right out the gate, but you're working with organisms, so it's like this really gets into this 
very fundamental question of what is organic. Like, is it just the word? Does it mean there's other words tied to it, other meaning? So I guess if like someone came up to you and said, is this organic? Is this natural? Is this, you know, whether you want to interpret it legally or in just kind of the uh, public sense, how would you describe these products? Oh, it's, it's completely natural. It's a muscle cell. So what's not natural about a muscle cell? If you find that, that unnatural, yeah, then this probably is very unnatural. But as long as you're okay with cows having muscles, this shouldn't be very, <laughs> this shouldn't be very unnatural because we're doing just, we're talking the way that normal cells talk to each other. We're talking to the cells to do stuff where everything that we're doing is natural. So it's weird to actually to say this stuff is unnatural, but everything that we use in our surroundings comes from nature. So there's... Basically, there's nothing unnatural, but that's, of course, it's, we're getting more into this philosophical debate. I, I would say this thing is natural because it, it's, it's more natural than the way that we are treating animals right now. All right. Well, I, I got one last thing, I guess, to, to wrap all this up. And one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to touch on the, the last bit before we let you go was uh, one of the aspects about the cellular agriculture in particular in, involving the tissue was one of the things that I, I found so fascinating when I, I was doing research on New Harvest. And, uh, you know, um, I, I don't have the science background like Ryan does. So I have to uh, sit there and I have to kind of teach myself everything. And uh, I, I learned a lot. I will say that I, I'm a smarter man than I was yesterday now. Um, but one of the things that I found so fascinating was that you guys, as far as the, the tissue engineering goes, you know, I like the fact that you guys approach it from the sense that not only can this be something used for a food source, but this could also help people as far as, you know, burn victims, uh, replacing, you know, like with skin grafts and stuff like that, or um, harvesting a new organ for, for someone that, you know, needs some kind of transplant. I, I really like that approach from it because it, it's very applicable and, and, and it covers a lot of bases and a lot of avenues. And and it does a lot of good, I think, that, you know, could help the world. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And uh, I, at the moment, we are translating medical research in the field of doing the tissue engineering into this field. But hopefully, if we will be able to get more funding in the future, which is it's hard at the moment to get yeah. funding for a new type of science, we maybe can lead the way for the medical field to say, well, we develop these technologies and they could be used for the medical application so we can actually give something back to them or maybe something they haven't thought about. So this is exactly what, yeah, so this is what makes it so hard. So since we are so, and I, I really am curious why it should be so hard to get a new science which looks very promising off the ground and which could actually be beneficial also to other fields of science. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I totally agree with you that the, the uh, idea of actually translating this back into the medical field is very, very tempting and very promising, but it's, it's hard to construct a manner to get funding from that field. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally understand. Well, uh, Dan, thank you very much for coming on with us and uh, answering a few questions. Uh, you have been yeah, tolerating be us very sure. well. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you a lot for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you for all your interesting questions. Uh, if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about New Harvest or any other companies associated with it, what can they do to check it out? Um, or how can they reach y'all in any way? Oh, you can definitely check out the website at new-harvest.com. Was it org? Org. It's org. Dot, dot org. <laughs> I'm sorry about it. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't participate in the website as much. Yeah, it's new-harvest.org. 
And you can always email me at don at new harvest.org. And I will anybody. So, because, yeah, that's, uh, I love to talk to people who are interested in this field, and I'm never too shy to tell you anything about what we do and how we know how to get involved. So, if you have any, uh, if you want to get involved, you're a student or you want to donate, you can always contact us and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, and it's been nice having you. Uh, yeah, I will say that we'll have all the links to all that in the show notes for people so that way they can uh, have a direct line to you or to the website. Uh, so if they want to check that out, you know, we'll have it available to them and it's going to be accessible. That's great. Thanks a lot for having me. All it was right. a pleasure talking to you guys. Thanks, Take care. Dan.